We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which company has been recorded, the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. We respect their continuing culture and the past and present contributions they have made to this region. You're listening to Company, the podcast connecting Australian artists, where we talk all things personal, professional and spiritual. Joining you, as always, are your hosts, Georgia Kennedy and Tiana Catalano. Hello and welcome back to Company for our fifth episode. Hey. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Number five. Number five. (laughs) Uh, So this week... We have Jennifer Pierce, who is a vocal coach, and I actually studied and trained with her when I was in Sydney when I was studying at Brent Street. And, yeah, we just thought it would be great to have her on. She's a wonderful lady who we also did a free class with um, at the start of the year when coronavirus was sort of slowly emerging into our lives. Um, And she did a class just getting back to the basics of singing and it was really awesome to do it with professionals and students alike. Yeah, it was a really good like mixed bag of people and I know like from working with her before that she has a very holistic approach to singing training as well so it's really good to have that reminder and know that it all works hand in hand it can't just all be technique there's a further step to that especially for something like musical theatre where there's acting and what not. Yeah, it's such a psychological practice as well. It's not just about what's going on in there. In the voice box. Yes. Anyway, anyway we'll do our riffity riff. Riff of the week. Riff of the week. You go you go first. Okay, but Gina, tell us your riff. Okay, look, <laughs> my riff isn't that interesting because it's only been like a week and we've just had heaps of work this week to do. So so busy. Very busy actually. <laughs> and uh I haven't watched anything, um, which is a bit weird. Yeah. Because I feel like we're binge watching stuff for a really yeah. long time. But it's okay. I'm grateful we're doing work. My riff simple it's been on repeat for me my future by Billie eilish i think she brought it out last week Mm. released it last week and i'm obsessed with it i love it it's it's kind of different to anything she's done so far from my knowledge and it's kind of got like that jazzy feel and that second verse comes in i just love it i i think it's so good what did you think about it, Georgia? I've just listened to it, so this is my first impression. I, I think it's got like a, a funk feel in the second half of the song and then the bass comes in and then her vocals are really sort of down still, but then like it's like contrasted with um, the production. My fucking God, whoever does – who her brother does her production. I'm pretty sure her brother's her producer, yeah. Her brother's – production on her songs is insane i love it so yeah it's a bop for sure i'll be listening to it on my way home hell yeah hell yeah so 
My Riff is the Pride, which is the play we're actually working on at the moment. It's a British play by Alexi K. Campbell. Um, and it basically looks at this uh, homosexual relationship in the 1950s and then a parallel relationship that um, these two men have in 2008. Um, and it basically just sort of looks at what has changed for the LGBTQI plus community and what hasn't changed. Um, and the lengths that people had to go to um, to hide their identity and how a lot of that is still prevalent today, um, especially in places that aren't the Western world in developing countries and in the Eastern world. So there's a lot of big, big topics um, that we're looking at in the play and it's been, it was really interesting to read it and workshop really intelligent writing yeah so if you're looking for a play to read or really great scenes to delve into I'd recommend the pride yes I agree she agrees <laughs> Jennifer Piers is a voice teacher singer and actor based in Sydney providing voice training to professional and aspiring professional musical theatre performers as well as working with many of Australia's premier musical theatre performance in her studio, Jennifer teaches vocal technique and musical theatre for the NIDA Bachelor of Fine Arts, Acting and the Brent Street Diploma of Musical Theatre. Jennifer's Australian performing arts credits include A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Matter, The Sound of Music, Fiddler on the Roof, City of Angels, The Pirates of Penzance, Sunday in the Park with George and Mary Poppins. Her UK performing credits include Shoes on the West End and 57 Hours at the National Theatre Studio in London, just to name a few. Hello and welcome to Jennifer Pierce. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hello. It's so good to see you after, what, a couple of years? I think I saw you in well, Sydney two in, years ago. Yeah, and you're in third year, so I haven't seen you, you know, in, in depth for two and a half years. Oh, that's right. You yeah. came back and had a little visit in Sydney. You yeah, popped into Brent Street and said hi. I did. I made it part of my trip. I couldn't, could not. But um, yeah, it's so good to see you. And we did your online lesson. Yeah. When was it? Like I two months ago? Oh, my free class. That was insane, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was I, great. That was such a surprise. I just was like, oh, I'll... I, everyone's lost their jobs. No one's got any money for singing lessons, things like that. I'll just, I'll just do a free class, just throw something out there for people. And I launched it and went to bed and I woke up the next morning and like 150 people had signed up. And even my Zoom capacity didn't, like you can't have more than 100 people in a Zoom meeting. And then I was yeah. onto the, on the phone to Zoom trying to figure out how, how to increase <laughs> class capacity and I got, I got so stressed about it. But then it was, it was awesome and a massive success and I'm, I'm glad it was so popular and that it was clearly something that people wanted and, and needed. And I think it was just cool to have that community in a room. You go, you couldn't have done that in person. We had people from all around Australia where there's some people, mates from London and things like that. Imagine going having group singles with 150 people. Like, Mm-mm. yeah. Silver, silver linings of COVID. Totally. Yes. And it, it was so cool even just for me personally because there were people from Brent Street who I'd studied with or like grads from Whopper who we hadn't actually talked to in ages because we're still over in Perth. 
And I was like, yeah. oh, there's my friends. Like, <laughs> just like clicking through all the, all the pages. It was so nice. And it ended up like sparking like group Zooms after because as well, like Zoom was still like starting up, I yeah. guess, socially. Um, yeah, we were yeah. learning how to use Zoom at that point, which is probably why I was crying on the phone to Zoom trying to figure out how to put more than 100 people in a meeting. And now I'm like a pro. I can do like do all the fancy things with Zoom. But back then I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy times. And it feels like so long ago as well. <laughs> it was like last year. Someone put up a meme the other day like, oh, the Tiger King part of like isolation feels like a year <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone was watching that. Oh, so man. funny. So it's funny. Wild. Well, during this time, is there anything that you would recommend to audiences to listen to or watch or read? Well, look, we've all been listening and watching a lot with this time in our hands, haven't we? So I feel like in some ways we've got, I've got streaming fatigue, but I, I've also watched some awesome things. So I, I won't bother mentioning like the obvious things that I'm sure people have watched like Hamilton and Fleabag and all that. I'm sure everyone's across that. Um my my perhaps slightly more hidden gems would be there's this show on Stan called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And usually when a show is good, people all over my social media are talking about it. And I watched it. I was like, why is no one talking about this? It's um, this girl, Zoe, who has the ability to hear people's innermost thoughts um, through songs, like their heart songs. And so it's so joyous and it's these song and dance numbers but also I ended up bawling like every episode because it's also this storyline with her father's dying of a neurological disease. And so his heart songs become the only way that she can communicate with him. Oh, wow. And it's just so beautiful. Um, it's got all these Broadway people and Alex Newell is in it, which is just insane voice. Um, great tunes, great arrangements. So I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. It's on Stan. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And I think it's just been renewed for a second season. Amazing. What's the other thing? Oh, and the other thing that people maybe haven't seen, on YouTube, I don't think it's free anymore. It was free for a bit, but they've, you can definitely like pay to download it. There's a play called Seawall with Andrew Scott. So Andrew Scott um, is the actor. He's the hot priest in Fleabag. Or Moriarty in Sherlock. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tremendous actor. And it's it's a one-man play. It's basically just a monologue. It goes for like 25 minutes straight through, just him. And it's just a masterclass in acting and storytelling and the, the detail of the images. You see everything he's talking about and it's literally just one shot on a guy for 25 minutes. And so if... As drama school students, or just anyone who's an actor, I would I would see if you can go download Sea Wall starring Andrew Scott. Gorgeous, cool. I guess on that, can you tell us one or two theatre or arts experiences that have moved you? It seems like you get you know I I watched Zoe's extraordinary playlist and second episode in I was like crying when she's sort of talking <laughs> to him in the living room. Um, yeah, so do you have any other? theatre or TV shows that have moved you in that way? Oh, I have a long list, so I probably (laughs) – let's make it a top three because otherwise I'll talk forever about it. amazing. (laughs) In terms of those, those like, life-changing theatre experiences, those ones where you walk into a theatre and you you walk out two hours later like a a changed human. Yeah, and it feels Um, like a a spiritual experience almost, mm, yeah. Yeah, so my – my first big one was Sunday in the Park with George. I went to London. It was my first 
overseas trip um, after I graduated from WAPA. And I think, I think it was put in about 2006. And I went and lined up at the theatre and bought a day seat, which is a thing I wish Australia did. I do it in London. You just rock up at the theatre when it opens at 10 o'clock in the morning and they'll sell whatever remaining tickets are left really cheap, like for £10 or £20 or something. Um, and so I, I paid very little money. I can't remember how much, but £10 or something. And I sat in the front row um, of the London revival of Sunday in the Park with George. And it was the one with the projections, which were very new at that time. Um, and they all spoke in their own accents. So it was really weird to hear like Dot, Jenna Russell with a Northern accent and um, George was uh, had a Welsh accent and it was – but I remember sitting at the end and when the lights came up at the end, I just had to kind of compose myself for a moment because I wasn't quite ready to face the outside world. <laughs> and there were these American tourists sitting behind me who kind of leaned over and put their hand on my shoulder because I was crying. And they were crying too. And they're like, we don't even know why we're crying. And I was like, me too. <laughs> um, and then the nice full circle moment of that is then when I came back to Australia, I auditioned for Sunday in the Park with George. And that was actually my first professional show out of Whopper. Um, wow. I played Frida, Frida and Betty. And I think I went to the audition and I told them this story. I said, oh, my God, I just got back from London. I saw this show and it was over. And I, I think they either pitied me because I was clearly the crazy lady who loved Sunday in the Park with George so much or perhaps it was just my passion was radiating for how much I loved the show and then I booked it. It was my first show I booked. Wow. That's so oh, cool. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. Me so that's probably my big one. What else do I – I've seen The Colour Purple twice. I Oof. saw it the first time with Fantasia, the original one, and Whoa. then I saw – the revival a couple of years ago with Cynthia Erivo. What? Both oh. completely, completely different performances of Seely and that show just moves me to a deep place both both times. Um, anyone who's not on the Cynthia Erivo train needs to get on it. Um, I know. She's I, extraordinary. I can never not cry watching her sing I'm Here, like every time I watch it. I get Have so you watched, um On YouTube, there's like shaky, dodgy someone's iPhone cam of the final performance of that, like the day it closed. Yes, I, yes, I've seen that. It's gorgeous. And she gets really emotional and like the, the conductor just like stops the orchestra and waits for her to have a moment <gasps> to get herself oh, together okay. so she can keep singing. Oh. Yeah. And then she does and then it's just – and because she's singing about And I'm Here – she kind of gets herself together, takes a deep breath, holds holds her head up and puts her shoulders back and off she goes. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's oh, beautiful. It's, it's insane. I want to cry thinking about it right now, to be honest. Yeah. And oh, I wow. said I was going to do three. And my third one was I saw Audra McDonald in 110 in the Shade. Ooh. I've seen Audra live a few times now. I make no oh, secrets my. about the fact that I'm a diehard Audra McDonald fan. Love and that. that was the first time I'd seen her. Again, a day seat on Broadway in New York. It was at um, uh, Studio 54 at that theatre and I sat in the front row and it rains at the end of 110 in the shade, a bit like in Singing in the Rain and stuff like that where they have rain. And because I was in the front row, I got wet and I was like, an Audra's there and I'm getting rained on and it was it was gorgeous. She's Beautiful. she's extraordinary. So she, yeah, Cynthia Reeve and Audra McDonald, they're right up there on the list. Oh, me too. Me too. I love them. 
Amazing. Incredible. So good. And on theatre experiences, on the flip mm-hmm. side of that, have you had any <laughs> big mishap stories for yourself, oh, either teaching or plenty. performing? <laughs> Let's go performing because they're funner. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this today, actually, because I have so many to choose from. Um, when I was doing My Fair Lady, there, there was this, like, cast joke or legend that was anytime you were kind of misbehaving or messing around or whatever, anything backstage, you would always, you would turn around and Nancy Hayes, who was playing Mrs. Higgins, would always just be there and she would never say anything. She would never get you in trouble or anything like that, but she would just look at you with this kind of disapproving look and you could see in her eyes how deeply disappointed she was in you. Like, and then you would just so feel so guilty that you were disappointed Nancy Hayes because you were messing around. And then from that, we always said whenever that happened to you, and it happened several times to several different cast members, we called it Nama, which was Nancy Hayes' karma, was that the next time you went on stage, something, something would go wrong for you, something would happen. And my Nama was I was on stage and it's the Ascot scene where you watch the horse race. It's like 12 seconds of silence where everyone's heads track from right to left really, really slowly as we watched the race. And for whatever reason, I must have just had a brain fart or something and I watched it in reverse. I watched it left to right instead of right to left. And I didn't realise because I was on the end of the line so I couldn't see what everybody else was doing until I got to the end and I saw (laughs) every single other member of the cast looking at me And then I just tried to like ever so subtly and slowly like turn my head to look back the right way, (laughs) except my hat in that scene was a metre wide. We had these amazing Roger Kirk (gasps) costumes and so there was amazing hats at the races and I had this feather sticking out the side. And so any micro movement, the hat was just like it had its own orbit and there was no subtle way to fix it. And then I just saw Nat- Nancy's eyes looking at me with disappointment. <laughs> my Nama. Oh, so wow. let that Gosh. be a lesson to you all. Behave so or Nama will get you. That is oh, my gosh. I love how she's just so, like, passive about it as well. I like, didn't need to say anything to you, just disapproving, you know, Look, Do you know I don't think I don't think Nance even knows about Nama. It was this ongoing legend <laughs> because, of course, she's the loveliest woman in the world. Because she would never get you in trouble, say anything. But it just turned into this thing where you're like, Nancy's looking. Nancy saw me being naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, my gosh. She is the nicest person ever. We had her for a um, a class yeah. during the Zoom uh, series and she was just so beautiful and lovely. so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so funny. Australian theatre legend. Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. Absolutely she is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about you and your vocal coaching. So obviously mm-hmm. you're a performer, you studied at WAPA and now you have a really successful vocal coaching business. And so I guess I wanted to ask mm-hmm. how you turned it into a successful business and you've got your branding and your um, Instagram and you're able to have such an amazing book and philosophy on teaching. So how did that all come about? It it just kind of happened organically over the years, I guess. I um, 
so before I went to WAPA, I actually have a Bachelor of Music from the Queensland Con as well. So I um, started as a classical singer. So I was always a voice nerd. I loved all of the voice things. And then when I, I lived in London for a couple of years and when I was there, I started teaching um, just because the minimum wage in normal jobs is so bad and there was a good hourly rate as a teacher. So that was kind of how I was was paying my bills. Even when I was in a show, like I was I was touring in a play and touring in the UK does not pay well, um, where I would come back on my day off and teach a full day of students to help pay my rent. So it sort of started out of necessity. Then I came back. Then when I was back in Australia, I would... I was kind of, I was teaching and performing really just like parallel alongside each other. I would be teaching, you know, cast members in the show be- between shows on a Wednesday or I would come in a few hours early and and work with a couple of cast members that had asked me to help them out with an audition or something like that. And I was doing so much of it and realizing that that was the thing I was looking forward to most in my week. Um cuz it, it was the most exciting part of my day. It was the thing that lit me up and then I would go and do the show at night, which obviously I still loved, but the, the thing that was exciting me was was the teaching. And then obviously in between shows, it was it was great between gigs and it just, it, it grew and I always just negotiated the balance and then any time I would get a gig and be away on tour, I'd be worried, oh, will I lose all my students or how do, you, how do I run a business at the same time? But it it always just seemed to work out somehow or people were still there when I came back and and gradually over the years the balance just kept shifting where I would be teaching more and performing less and and my identity shifted as well where uh, I started to identify as, as a teacher more than a performer well, I'm, I still am a performer and never say never should the right thing come along, I'd be there in a sec. But uh, my, I have a really strong identity as a as a teacher now, and something that I'm committed to. And so then the business just grew, grew from there a little bit at a time. And I, I've had a lifetime of going and having singing lessons. So with, and I've had great teachers. So my teacher for gosh how many years now 14 years is a wonderful man called Neil Seema who lives in New York he comes out and works in Australia a lot actually he used to come to Whopper every couple of years too obviously not this year this is not the year for that um and he's he's been a mentor of mine for a long time and so I would have questions or a student that I had a problem with that I didn't quite know what to do or and I would he was just always on the other end of the phone for me to ask him stuff and yeah, I think you just figure it out as you go, and it it grew and and changed and and continues too as we all adapt. But it it still remains the the thing that lights me up. And I get to the end of a day having taught you know six students, and I. I feel energized by that rather than exhausted. So that's a good sign, I think. But it's so funny. I feel like as artists, we kind like, did you do a business course to like figure out how to be a business owner? I feel like that's just something that we end up doing yeah. as artists. We just kind of teach ourselves to do things along the way, you know, and make mm-hmm. it work. So the answer is no, I didn't. Um, uh, we do figure out on the way, but so many of the people in our industry, we're all entrepreneurs, really. Even as an actor, 
you, you, you are your business and you are your brand and all that kind of thing. And I have had chats to lots of mates. I remember um, having a really long co- phone conversation with Chloe Dallimore last year, just bless her, because she, she runs, whilst being an incredible performer herself, the president of Equity, she also runs um, Pilates Studio Extend Bar in the Eastern Beaches here. Um, and so she's running and so I rang her and I was asking about like, um, company tax and accounting and GST and all those business things that no one ever teaches about you about until you have to figure it out. So make friends with the ATO website. Um, (laughs) Google things. There's, there's a bunch of take online courses in marketing, read, read books, Get good at managing your money. Mm. Even as actors, just learn about superannuation and the miracle of compounding interest and all those kind of things that seem uncool to talk about, but so worthwhile when you are your business as an and as an artist. I think there's a, 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 a f- an underlying misconception that all artists need to be poor or struggling or you know eating two minute noodles for the rest of their life and it's just not true you just gotta be yeah. a smart business person okay yeah absolutely. and there's yeah. so many examples of people in our industry running incredible businesses totally so, absolutely and really varying side hustles yeah. as well yeah yeah that's yeah. no, so cool and speaking of business just you know going through this whole COVID period, what's your take on the difference between doing singing lessons in the room and doing singing lessons online? Because obviously you've had to go online for a while now. And I know Mm -hmm. that at our institution, there was a bit of a conversation about how can you get the same quality when it's online? You know, if there's a lot of physical work going on and breath work, how are you able to kind of navigate that if it's through a screen? And I'd love to hear what you think, because you've definitely been doing it and... Obviously, it works. So, what's your yeah. take on that? Look, I, I think singing lessons online actually, from my experience, work incredibly well. I know not all experiences of drama school are the same. I imagine online dance classes maybe don't quite have the same pizzazz. But the singing, particularly one-on-one singing lessons, I found incredibly successful. I actually did online lessons even before COVID for people when they were away on tour or students who. Um, are overseas. I've got a couple of students working in London or things like that. Um, particularly when you already have an established relationship with someone. So I already know their voice and their body. And um, you can also tweak your Zoom settings. If you get your Zoom settings right, your sound shouldn't. If you've got decent internet and you've changed your Zoom settings, we kind of get past the technical stuff. Um, and then there's just a few behaviours that you have to change. So because I can't play along with you, because I can't accompany you, we just have to learn to do call and response. But it also in some ways refined my teaching in a little way because rather than kind of side coaching you or interrupting you, I would stop and listen and then reflect afterwards or allow you to do the learning and then we talk about it after. So in some ways... I think it's refined my teaching and made me be really um, discerning about what needs to be said and, and what doesn't. And in 
In terms of quality, I think they're just as good and in some ways better. I love that you can record them. So rather than just having a voice memo of your lesson, all my students just I, they just press record and they can go back and watch the video so they can actually see what's going on. They can use it like a mirror. I mean, agreed, there are some things. It's difficult to work on breathing via Zoom. There, there are a few ingredients that maybe are a little bit tricky. But overall, I'm a big fan of the Zoom lessons. I think they're fine. And, in fact, Amazing. I've now returned to in-person um, in Sydney in the last couple of weeks here. Touch wood, it stays like that. Could We could be Victoria any day. Who knows? We'll see. Um, and some of my students have opted to stay with Zoom. They're like, actually, no, I like Zoom better. So wow. just depends. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, it's great to have separate platforms that we can choose from now. And some people might feel more comfortable in their own space perhaps and feel like they can make more mistakes in their own house or whatever. So it also just, um, it, it means we don't have geographical limitations as well. Yeah. You know, I can talk to you in, in Perth. Where I can have lessons with people who maybe don't want to drive two hours to get here or if they're in Melbourne or if they're in Perth or, or we don't have as much access limitation as as we had before yeah amazing well on that I guess this is a a big question but what is your philosophy when it comes to your vocal training and who are sort of the big people that you've learned from and what have you learned along the way to form the philosophy that you have now sure so I I mentioned my teacher Neil Seymour um he's probably the biggest influence on that um also my my teacher when I was at the Queensland Con, I should give big props to, um, Professor Jan Delpratt. She is, there is a, talk to any Queenslander and they know who Jan Delpratt is. She's a, she's a legend, a singing, teaching legend. Um, and so I owe a lot of my early training years to her. Um, I would say my philosophy in a nutshell is that even though I'm a voice geek and a music nerd and I'm, I love the nuances and the intricacies of, of technique and how the voice works. It's only there to serve your artistry. So mechanics for the sake of mechanics uh, don't really excite me. But if that is the thing that then gives you the facility to serve your musical and dramatic impulse and for your artistry to take flight, then that's the bit that where the magic happens. Yeah, so I guess that's a holistic approach. It's not about how we take the individual components apart. I'm interested in how we put them together. We can take them apart when we need to troubleshoot if we have a problem here or there. But overall, our instrument is not just what's going on in our larynx. As a singer, our instrument is our mind, body, and voice and how that triangle connects. So, for example, I know when I'm singing badly, it's often because I'm stressed or because I'm anxious. So there's no level of changing things at a vocal fold level or what's going on in my larynx that's going to fix that if I don't manage my anxiety or sort out what's going on in my body. Um, yeah, so to really look at it as a whole human, a whole person. 
Amazing. I remember you talking about that at um, Brent Street and one of the biggest things, because I'm definitely a person who's compromised by anxiety. I could, you know, practice anything, you know, for so long, but then I'm anxious and see you later, like shut down. Um, Yeah. But one of the big things that we did in one of the lessons, uh, you know, when I was at Brent Street was that you talked about plan A, plan B. Do you remember that? Yeah. I do remember that. It kind of really stuck with me. And then um, kind of continuing on from that, it's, I think you said to me one lesson, can you just, can you just think you're Beyonce? Can you just forget that you are Tiana? <laughs> and can you be the Beyonce version? <laughs> it's yeah. just, you are not Tiana for like the next two minutes. <laughs> and it just absolutely changed things for me. And I think that's so crazy that we don't connect all the time that the technique has to come with that kind of holistic approach because you could be doing all the right things in the right moment, but then you go into a bad mindset or your body compromises everything and it, it means nothing then, you know, and I know yeah. that because I, I personally struggle with it a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's I think the, definitely- the Beyonce thing comes from, because she actually talked about it, I must have read an article about it or something, that when she goes on stage, because she's actually quite a conservative, shy woman, her alter ego, her performing ego is Sasha Fierce. So it's like you're not going on as Tiana, you're going on as Sasha Fierce. And so, in fact, sometimes I make people name their Sasha Fierce. Like you can call it whatever you want to be like your drag queen name. Um, but it's it's the the version of you that kind of gives no fucks. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. presenting your best self. Um, plan A, plan B is absolutely a, a Neil thing. He's got a wonderful article that I often send people about that um, where we talk about are you a plan A singer or a plan B singer? And plan A is the plan based entirely in what you want. No matter how fully or not you achieve that, right? It's not the perfect plan. It's not the magic wand plan, but it's the I commit to telling the story clearly. My voice feels free and open. Um, in, so insert positive intentions here, the things that you want, versus plan B is the trying not to fuck up plan. Yeah. So it's about avoiding the things you don't want. Okay. I don't want to crack on the high note. I don't want to forget the words. I don't want to embarrass myself. Um, I don't want to be tight. And by focusing your energy on that, you can't be in plan B and make music at the same time. Those two things are mutually exclusive. So even the worst plan A is better than the best plan B. Because you're at least focusing intentionally in the positive on what you want. And I've been talking a lot this week. I kind of get themes of the week. My, my theme this week is about you have to hear the sound you want to make before you make it. How many times do we open our mouth and just expect things to come out or, or somehow be better because we're just crossing our fingers about it? But have we actually intentionally thought about what sound we want and checked in with what that would feel like? what we would think about, what, what we would do, and just spend a moment in that. It's almost like the, it's like the oral version of visualization or oralization, yeah? When we visualize the thing that we want, it's the hearing the thing that you want and how that feels before you make it. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Cool. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just about that's getting amazing. intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess then a leading on question we had from that is, you know, you do teach a lot of drama, uh, people wanting to go into drama schools, but also professionals mm-hmm. going in for auditions. And what would you say is your biggest um, 
you know, piece of advice or words of wisdom when they go into those auditions? What would you say to hold on to right before that moment? I think it comes back to authenticity. It's about don't try and be what you think they want you to be. You just have to take your most authentic self in. I often use the audition mantra, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I love. And if that tends, if that turns out to be right, great. And if it isn't, that's okay too. And, I, and I'm really clear about using the word right there as opposed to best. It's not necessarily the best person who gets the job. It's the most right person. That's the game of casting. And so sometimes we can go in and be the best singer of the day and do amazing work and still not book the job because we weren't the most right person. So that doesn't mean we have to go away and, and kind of be heartbroken about that. We just go, okay, that's money in the bank where we go, I show up for every audition as my most authentic self. I'm prepared like a boss. I do my best work. That's all an investment in my reputation. And so much of this industry is non-linear as well. I can't tell you the number of times I've gone and auditioned for something not got it and been really upset, but then got a phone call a couple of weeks later saying, oh, you weren't right for that, but actually can you come in for this thing or we'd like to offer you? So we think the jobs we don't get are failures, but they're not at all. What if that's just an investment in in a possibility for something else? You never know how these things are going to pay off. So it's just your job and you're not in control of that. It's just your job to show up and, be your best self and do the work. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And when it lands, it lands. And when it doesn't, it wasn't your turn. Yeah. Yeah. And trusting in that journey. And I think that's such a big thing with drama schools because, you know, you might not get in that year and it's maybe not because you're not the best, but to put a collection of 20 people together is a certain task in itself. And, you know, if you really want it, you go and you choose other avenues to get there next or you don't end up there at all. And that's something we really want to talk about as well is that drama school journey and how it's great but also not completely necessary either. Yeah. So, Mm. yeah, that's awesome. And kind of takes the, I guess, not ownership off of you but the pressure because you can only do what you can do and then it's out of your hands. Yeah. It's done there. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question on tension because I often go into singing lessons and I go, I've just been so tense. Like I haven't been doing my yoga. I haven't been sleeping. I've been drinking too much. Like what are your sort of, <laughs> um, what are the main things that you think we should be doing throughout the week to aid our singing voice? So we're not having to focus on tensions that can be built up from other things day to day. Um. It, it can be different for everyone. So whatever, insert version of this that works for you. But I would say something for your mind, something for your body and something for your voice. So for me, that is a mindfulness meditation practice um, or it might be journaling or it might be, I don't know, people, people have their, their version of whatever, ever, running. Yeah, some people find like running a meditation. That is not me. I'm not a runner, but I'm just giving you examples. Um, yeah something for your voice so again for me that's yoga it might be pilates it might be alexander technique it might be feldenkrais but it doesn't really matter what it is and then in terms of your voice 
just the the basics of hydration, just making sure you drink enough water, are you warming up and cooling down, are you pacing your your voice use, all of all of the vocal health basics that we need to do. But then the I imagine, because you guys are all well trained, you all know what you're doing. I, I imagine you probably are pretty good at those practices already. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is you're like, I'm doing all these things, but why why do I still have tension? Firstly, because you're a human and we all have tension. Yeah. And that we always just have to sing with the voice that we have on the day. So the days where the wind is blowing the right way and we didn't drink too much last night and we had enough sleep and our muscles aren't sore, like they're one in 20 they're, and they're the yeah. days we just enjoy the ride. You're like, heaven, great, easy day. The other days are when you need technique, yeah? And so you don't beat yourself up about that and go, oh, but my voice is tired. Oh, I had two, I had two wines last night and that. And so you're immediately not in the present because you're worried about the two wines that you had last night and somehow guilting yourself rather than going, well, this is the voice I got today. This is what I'm going to sing with until the days where we are too ill or too tired, in which, in which case on those days we just shut up. But as a professional singer, for the most part, we're just learning how to sing with what we've got on the day. Mm. And so if we go back to the idea of plan A or plan B, are you talking to yourself about how do I not be tense? I don't want to be tense. See how that's plan B? Mm. What do you want? I want my body to feel at ease. I want it to feel, you know, open and and flexible. So what if you were working towards intentionally, my body feels open and flexible and at ease? See how immediately that feels more achievable than don't be tense. Yeah. Because the idea of don't be tense makes me tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm failing at it already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm bad at this. I'm already ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great mindset shift to have. Thank you. Yeah, love it. That. Love it. I guess. Um, I think you've already kind of touched on it, but I'll ask anyway. Is there any advice that you would give to your younger self heading into the arts industry? I think it's the the thing we just said. Be yourself. Because there's no one else who's like you. You're the best person at being you. Yeah. And that way you're not competing with anyone. There's no other Jennifer Pierces to compete with. Just me. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a bigger question for the industry in a sense, but you're so right. That would take the pressure off if you're just focusing on yourself and just being the best version of you and if it works, works. And if it doesn't, it's not the right time. Look, that comes down. It's a thing we talk about a lot. And, look, I talk about it too because – this idea of type and brand because the one thing that people coming out of drama school are trying to prove to everyone is how versatile you are. And you are. You've just spent three years working on all these school, on these skills. But I also say it's probably the biggest detriment to brand strength is versatile. We don't want to f- want the girl who can do a bit of this and a bit of that. We want the girl who does exactly what we, what we need, yeah? So when we need the six-foot tall blonde soprano, we're going to call Jen Pierce because that's what she does. That's the thing she does. And she's better at that than other people. Whereas if you're like, but I can do everything. I could be that. I could be what you want me to be. You can, we can be flexible. We can definitely be more than one thing. We are all many things. We contain multitudes, but you can't be everything. And that's okay too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's getting rid of that jack of all trades, master of none sort of mentality and figuring out what your thing is. And yeah. And I that. think particularly when you're at drama school, 
the whole point of drama school is to open you up to the possibilities of all these different things. That's where that mentality, that jack of all trades mentality comes from, which educationally I think mm. is brilliant. But then when you graduate, we just start to focus that a little bit more and go, okay, I've tried all of these things. I maybe uncovered some things that I didn't know I was good at. I'm going to add that to my wheelhouse. But what sort of artist am I? What is the thing that I do? And what's the thing that I do better than other people? Well, the thing that lights me up. And that's the thing I'm going to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that lights me up, I think, gets left out a little bit too. And I think that's why people forget the joy. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like as a teacher, a part of your philosophy is just being joyful and keeping the joy and figuring out why I, what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, and that's lovely because I've come across a lot of singing teachers that are very terrifying, very scary. And the minute you go in, you go, oh, shit, I'm terrified and I'm awful. I'm sorry. Um, and there's no you way you're going to do your best so work when you feel like that, are you? Yeah, absolutely. So, and don't get me wrong. Tiana knows this. Like I, I'm a lovely human and I'm very supportive, but I, I also will tell you when something's not good enough. You know, I will. I will. It's, it's not sugarcoating and, and happy families. It's. It's about challenging and doing the work, but in a place that is about getting the best out of all of us. And as you just said, if you go in feeling scared or threatened or you're not going to do your best work when you feel like that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you seem really joyful and it seems like you really enjoy teaching and enjoy what you're doing as well. So that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, what are your hopes for the arts industry in Australia in the future? What would you like to see change or evolve? Gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> I guess if I keep it real, because it could be many things, I guess if I keep it related to teaching, I, w- I would love to see arts education valued as, it, <laughs> as the worthy thing that I think it is. Um, and within that, I would love it to be more accessible and more inclusive. Um, Arts education is expensive, which makes it not, which is a barrier to entry for some people. If you think about all of you that got into WAPA, how many singing lessons did you have? How many monologue coachings did you have? How many years of dance classes did you go to? And if you can't afford all of those things, then the, the knock-on effects as you go through your educational journey is, is, is exponential. Yeah, more inclusive, more accessible and more valued. So even though when you guys graduate, not every single one of you is going to go on to star in musicals. I mean, statistically, you're absolutely, that's not, just not going to happen. But like if I look back at my graduating year or kind of from my generation, those people are, are doing, some people are still performers, but there are writers and directors and teachers and composers and producers and all of these things for which the very course that you're doing and that we did was crucial on their journey to become that just because it wasn't, a, again, a linear thing that says graduate, this percentage of graduates from arts courses then go on to have these jobs. It's difficult to measure, but that doesn't mean that it's not important. The skills that you're learning about creative process, about how to work as an ensemble, about discipline, about running the business of yourself, they make you incredibly employable in any number of of jobs and fields and you can apply those skills in so many different ways. So, just because that statistically doesn't turn up on a graph about graduates were employed this, this percentage of time 
just because we can't measure it like that doesn't mean it's not worthy, I think. Totally. Yeah. And you think about how much in just normal, you know, reception to year 12 school, how important arts can be for self-confidence and socializing and all of that kind of stuff too. There's so much value on a day-to-day basis in the earlier stages as well. And I feel like in a normal curriculum, it's just not considered to be important whatsoever. And there's no difference in my head about teamwork within a show and teamwork within a team, a sport. Uh, But also as auditioners, you guys are professional job interviewers. You smash job Mm. interviews when you've been to drama school, whereas Mm. going to a job interview is the most terrifying thing in the world for like, I call them muggles, non, non (laughs) (laughs) artists. Yeah. Whereas you could walk into a job interview for anything and be able to communicate effectively and confidently and they're universal skills and important skills. At drama school, you spend three years getting in touch with yourselves and your vulnerabilities, which leads on to having healthy, stable relationships and just your your sense of self. Yeah, I agree. I, I really agree. We need to rethink how we're going to fund the arts. Well, we've been having those discussions at uni as well. How can we make this more accessible for people who, as you say, can't afford to get lessons from a young age, people in rural communities, people of colour as well that just don't have the access that other people do. So, um, yeah, I guess people like me as well can see more people in positions of power that look like me. Um or teachers or what lecturers, whatever that may be. Well, you yeah. see yourself represented. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, yeah, got to figure it out. Yeah. It's a big, big discussion to have. And yeah. hopefully mm. during COVID, it's the time to really hone into that and think about it. Although it seems to be not working in our favor at this present moment, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> These but, are times um, of yeah. massive change, though. We're having. We're having growing pains. Absolutely. Definitely. 2020 has been a big growing year. Well, on that note, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And it's good to see you again a bit more. It's nice to see you too, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much again to Jennifer for chatting with us. She just has such an awesome energy about her. And I love that she's just been a boss woman and made such a successful career out of singing, teaching, and doing what she loves. Yeah, 100%. And literally just two days ago, I saw another working professional who was saying during this time that they've really started to not enjoy singing and have this weird kind of anxiety around it because of being in lockdown. And it took one session with Jen and they were in a completely different mindset and were so psyched to get back on the bandwagon. So it just goes to show that sessions with Jen are not only for your technique, but for you as a person, as a performer, growth mindset, positive mindset, all of those good things all compact in one. So I highly suggest if you're looking for that, you can definitely hit up Jen and get a lesson. Love it. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Company. If you'd like to find out more about Jen and her work or want to book a lesson, you can visit her website, jenniferpears.com or jump on her Insta, jenniferpears.studio or Facebook, jenniferpearsvoicestudio. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and open up a discussion with you on our Instagram at companypod and our Facebook, Company Podcast. Shout out to our producing guru, Douglas Rintel. Music by David DeKettis. 
and our media queen, Deidre Koo, also known as Deedledum Designs. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.